0: The title of the message this morning is Intimidated or Empowered, Intimidated or Empowered. Now, today is Pentecost Sunday, as we mentioned earlier, and let's just touch on Pentecost Sunday. There might be a couple of people that say as well, that think, well, what is that? And let's remind you, well... The definition of Pentecost, the word Pentecost means 50th and it refers to the 50th day after Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. It is also the culmination of the Feast of Weeks Uh, from the Old Testament we see the Feast of Weeks. So if I'm to explain the timeline to you, this is the timeline Day one is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and then you carry on to day 40, which is Ascension Day, when Jesus ascended into heaven, that's day 40, then 10 days later, day 50, we have what is called Pentecost Sunday, which is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. This also says to you that it's been seven weeks since we had our Easter weekend. Now, what is the significance of Pentecost in today's Christian church? Well, quite simply, it is the anniversary of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? That today we look and we remind ourselves and we also look to today and how we're doing in terms of experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's the anniversary. So if somebody asks you, uh, what is Pentecost? You say, it's the anniversary of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit upon the church. Because in our own natural capacity, we cannot get the job done of Impacting and changing the world. But this early church, they began to, as the scripture says, turn the world upside down (laughs) because of the reality of the third person of the Trinity, the precious Holy Spirit, being so powerfully at work that things began to change wherever they went. Churches should not be dead. Churches in South Africa should not be dead. Churches should be making way, opening way, open the opportunity to the precious Holy Spirit so that the Spirit of God can bring the reality of what is around the throne of God into the situation, and the life of God is seen in the church. We must have the Holy Spirit. Come on. We must have the Spirit of God. So, Pentecost is hugely significant for the church It is also the day on which the church was birthed and empowered. Now, let's look at John chapter 20. This is our text for the day. John chapter 20, and this is where Jesus is speaking about receiving of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, this is Resurrection Sunday, okay? It's still 50 days until Pentecost, but here. Jesus is speaking with his disciples about receiving the Holy Spirit. The context is that Jesus is appearing to Mary Magdalene. And remember Mary Magdalene, she was forgiven much and she loved much. And here Jesus is appearing to Mary Magdalene, risen and alive. Let's pick it up. John 20 verse 14 to 23. Reading from the New King James Version, it says, Now... When she, that's Mary Magdalene, had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Can you just imagine for a moment the love that flooded Mary's heart right then because she knew, ah, this is now Jesus. And he's revealing himself, Mary. The joy that must have flooded her heart, Mary. she She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. Notice the terminology now after the resurrection. My brethren, and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things to her. Verse 19 on the next slide. Then the same day, that's still the Sunday at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, notice that the doors were shut. When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Here is the risen Savior appearing and saying, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Imagine that you were there and you actually got to saw to see the hands of Jesus. The nail-pierced hands. You got to see his side. And then is one of the biggest understatements in the Bible. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I'd like to say that they were ballistic. They were intercontinental. They were absolutely... Middle wicked, gobsmacked, they were blown away when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What does that last verse mean? Basically, as I understand it, in the disciples beginning to go out and communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, when people would respond and receive the good news of salvation and be converted, then they could declare that your sins are gone. The disciples could declare that. But to people who would reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, the disciples could declare to them, no, your sins have been retained because you have not accepted the good news of Jesus. Now, three points that I want to share with you. Say three points. Point number one, Jesus is still speaking peace into your situation today. Will you receive it? Please say that aloud with me all together. Jesus is still speaking peace into your situation today. Will you receive it? Let's just look at verse 19 again. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of, And said to them these beautiful words, Peace be with you. And then in verse 21, he says the same thing again. He says, Peace to you. And I want to say to you today that I believe that God is speaking those same words to you today. He is speaking those same words. They are just as powerful. And he is saying to you, peace to you. He is saying, peace be with you. Will you receive it? Will you actually realize that this is for you right now, in this very moment? And receive it? Or will you just in your head say, yeah, 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 peace, peace, peace? I want to encourage you, be people where it goes into your heart and you say, ah, Jesus. You are my precious Prince of Peace. I receive your peace. Now, where were the disciples as you look at that passage? Where were the disciples? Well, they were hidden. They were behind closed doors. Some commentators have said that possibly these doors were barred and bolted. Bottom line is they were intimidating and they were hiding. Now, why were they intimidated behind closed doors, barred and bolted and all this? Why? Because of Fear, fear of the Jews. That's why they were hiding. I want to ask you today, and I believe that this is really a word for some people today. In fact, for many people here today. And I want to say to you, are you hiding behind closed doors? Are you hiding because of fear in your life? You say, John, you don't don't understand what happened to me. When I was growing up, I went through the most terrible abuse in my teenage years. I have been so battle scarred, and there's so many things that have happened in my life. And yes, John, I am hiding because it's the only safe place that I can find. So I'm hiding behind those closed doors. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I'm not coming out. But I want to tell you today that it is not the plan of your heavenly father that you stay hidden. It is not the plan of your heavenly father. You might say, John, I've been through a death of a dream. I had a dream of how things would work out. And then my spouse was unfaithful to me. It has wrecked my life. I have no confidence. I'm not prepared to trust anyone again. And I am hiding. And so what if I hide for the rest of my life? I'm hiding. But you know what? You're hiding because of fear. And that is not a good thing, sir, ma'am. That is not good. And God is speaking to you, even through the sound of my voice today. And he says, I haven't called you to a life of hiding, of fear, of cowardice. I've called you to come out of that and be everything that I have made you to be. But you cannot hide anymore. Come on, somebody's hearing this today. You might be here today and you say, well, I have, I have inferiority. I just feel inferior. Or you might say, well, I struggle with anxiety. I have panic attacks. It's just, to me, to go to the shopping mall, I get panic attacks. I have to hide. No, you don't have to hide. That's a lie. You might be here today and you say, well, there's been expectations upon my life from when I was young. There was so much pressure from my parents or people around, and because my dad was a medical doctor, everybody felt that I had to become a medical doctor, and I've disappointed the family, and so I'm hiding, I'm hiding, I'm hiding. I want to tell you, it's time to stop hiding. You might say here today that my business has gone through a terrible time, John. You don't know what it's like, but I want to say to you, stop hiding in Jesus' name. I call you by the power of the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus to come out of that place of hiding. Listen carefully. The first step to getting out of that hole is to receive his peace. Right here, Jesus comes into their situation behind those closed doors. Jesus is coming into the situations of people, your hearts. He's coming in right now. And he says... He says, peace to you. The first step to get out of that hole, I want to tell you, is to recognize that the Prince of Peace is giving you peace, which surpasses understanding, and it begins the process of restoration in your life. And so Jesus came right through those doors. How did he come right through those doors? I don't know, but he's God. He can do what he wants to. He came right through those doors and he'll come right through those barriers that you've set up and into the situation and he'll say, Peace, peace, peace to your situation. And so, will you be somebody who will be intimidated or will you be somebody who will be empowered by God's ability? Even his peace empowers you. Will you be intimidated? Say no, say no, say no. Will you be empowered? God wants to empower you. The first step is to let his peace flow in. And so when your heart is anxious, and sometimes that happens, when your heart is overwhelmed, realize that he is your peace. He is your rest. Will you receive that peace? Lord, I just pray for people right now they know so well that you are speaking to them, and this is a word for them, and in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the power of God, I speak the peace of God into those situations, and I say peace to you, not as the world gives peace, but as God gives peace, I speak peace in the matchless name of Jesus, and we declare that you are coming out of hiding in the name of Jesus, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise, hallelujah, So that's number one. Jesus is still speaking peace into your situation today. Will you receive it? Can I have a little bit more level on my mic? Number two, see yourself as someone who has purpose and is sent by God. Say that aloud with me. See yourself as someone who has purpose and is sent by God. You see, as believers, we should not allow purposeless living. God does not want his children to be confused about how he wants to use them. Purposeless living is a sad thing. In John 20 verse 21, it says, So Jesus said to them, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Isn't that lovely? You are commissioned according to the scripture. This means that Jesus has commissioned you, he has sent you. So this has to do with purpose. This has to do with identity, and this has also to do with destiny. Jesus mentions the same idea in John 17, and the message translation puts it so well. It's John 17 verse 18, and it says, in the same way, this is Jesus speaking to the Father, In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Somebody says, well, I don't know what to do in life. I don't know my purpose. I don't know what God's called me to do. Well, firstly, realize that God has given you a mission. And sometimes we need to firstly stop saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and begin to firstly say what God's word says, thank you, Lord, you have given me a vision, a mission. You have given me a vision, you have given me a mission, and just begin to declare that. Now, in terms of myself and my own life, I have um, been blessed to know from a, a very young age, from an early age, what God was laying on my heart, what he was calling me to do. Really, from the age of about six or seven years of age, I began to sense the seeds of God speaking to me and calling me, and that began to grow and develop in my heart over the years, and I began to know from a little guy that God was calling me to be a pastor, I had to lead God's people. I had to be involved in leadership in the kingdom of God. God was calling me to pastor and to lead, and so it was so wonderful to have that sense in my own heart. I can remember when I was about 12 years of age that uh, in, in my dad's church, there was the one smaller auditorium there, the chapel. And uh, one night during the week, there wasn't much happening, and for some reason, my dad and my brother Andrew and myself, we were at the church, and my dad and Andrew were busy with something. And so I snuck off into the chapel, and I knew where to switch on the the sound system. (coughs) Pastors' kids know how to do that. I knew how to switch on the sound system, and I got the microphone, and there I am, I'm grabbing the microphone, nobody in this chapel, and I'm starting to Preach. And I'm starting to preach like I saw Uncle Reinhard Bonker do it, where he would preach and then somebody would interpret in African language. And so here I would preach and interpret it in African language. I can't speak African language. But hey, Baba, it sounded good. (laughs) And you know what? There I am, preaching away, preaching away. And next thing, my brother Andrew and my dad peer through the doors and they see little Johnny busy preaching there. It was a cute moment, but isn't it exciting how the Lord puts desires even from where you are young? And so I'm thankful for the clarity that God has given me, but let me say this, in my years as a pastor, I've noticed that many people struggle to understand and to know their purpose. It's actually very sad, there might be many of you that you say, I struggle with that. And so I don't want to take away from some of the struggles that people go through in terms of discovering their destiny and purpose. For some, it's a struggle of recognizing and understanding and and perhaps identifying. For other people, it's a struggle where I believe that even the enemy is trying to steal and confuse your very purpose and to hinder it. And just when you're beginning to follow the purpose of God, all of a sudden Ishmael's come along the way and things that shouldn't take your attention and you run off to those things. And and so the enemy, he loves to steal and kill and destroy. If he can steal purpose, that is a terrible, terrible thing. Listen to the statement that's on your screen. Every year that passes without the believer... Discovering their purpose is a tragedy greater than we comprehend because every year something's been lost, something's been lost as this discovery is not being made. But nevertheless, despite the struggles that people might be going through to discover their specific purpose, I want to say to you that God, I believe. He will reveal your unique purpose to you. He loves to speak to you. He tells you of things that are to take place before they take place. And I want to say to you, you begin to believe that God's heart is to reveal it and that he is revealing his purpose to me, my unique purpose for life. But while you are on that journey to discover your unique purpose, I want to say to yourself, give yourself to the bigger purpose, which is already abundantly clear, and the bigger purpose is those three words, touch people's lives. Say that with me. Touch people's lives. You say, I don't know what to do. Well, you can start by touching people's lives. Essentially, that's the great commission going to all the world, make touch people's lives with my love. And you can just begin to Touch people's lives. And sometimes, as you're giving yourself to the bigger purpose of God, then at the same time, you end up discovering your unique purpose that God has specially for you. But you've got to get moving, and you've got to get into the bigger purpose of touching people's lives. And it's so wonderful how God begins to help you discover things as you just begin to get moving, as you begin to give yourself to this bigger purpose. And God reveals, ah, And you suddenly begin to discover, wow, I actually have creativity. God's given me an ability to market and design and do creative work, graphic design. And, And all of a sudden, you've been doing the bigger purpose, and now you begin to discover the more unique purpose. And God begins to cause you to hit that sweet spot. It's like hitting that cricket bat in the sweet spot, and the ball goes right outside the stadium. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so let me just tell you that you are on a mission. Would you please tell the person next to you, you are on a mission. I want to say it, that you are on a mission. I want to say it, that you have purpose. I want to say that you are sent by God. And so go ahead and begin to touch people's lives. Now, you might be in the HR business, and this week, when you handle that disciplinary hearing. Realize that you are God's representative there and let righteous decisions that you make touch people's lives. God's put you there for a purpose. You might be in school and, and you're at school uh, and, and somebody is getting rejected. Somebody's getting ridiculed. I want to say that you are God's representative there. Show them the unconditional love of God. That's touching lives. Or maybe when a work colleague is facing burnout, have you noticed how many people seem to face burnout these days? A work colleague is facing burnout, and you discover this. You know what? You can show kindness, and in so doing, you can touch somebody's life. What is it about? It is about touching lives. And just back to our text is that Jesus didn't want his disciples all huddled up in that room in a corner. He wanted them to get out into the world, to be sent out. And I want to say to you that salt is not supposed to stay in the salt pot. It's supposed to be sprinkled. And God is saying to you, as the Father sent me, I send you, go and be sprinkled and touch lives of those around you. will not you say this after me? I have purpose. My purpose is great. I am sent by God. Say amen. Good. Now, point number three, receiving the Holy Spirit ought to be a priority. Please say that aloud with me. Receiving the Holy Spirit ought to be a priority. And it says in John 20, verse 22, And when he, Jesus, had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So, what did Jesus do? Firstly, He steps into the situation of being hidden, and he speaks peace to the disciples. Then he says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. Get out of the salt shaker and start to shake your life to influence people. And then the third thing he says is that the Holy Spirit is so important, and he breathes on them. He breathes on them. Must have been quite something to be in that room. He breathes on them and then he says these words. He says, Receive the Holy Spirit. If this wasn't important, Jesus would not have said it. It ought to be important. On Pentecost Day, Pentecost Sunday today, it ought to be important, the ministry of the Holy Spirit for us. Come on, say amen. amen. It ought to be important. But you know what? I've often struggled with the scripture because. This is Resurrection Sunday, and here Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Spirit, but we know according to Scripture that it would only be 50 days later on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would be poured out. I don't know. Are the only one who's ever struggled with the Scripture? Maybe some of you have as well. And so why was Jesus saying, receive the Spirit, when it was only going to happen on the day of Pentecost? And so Jesus also said in Luke 24, verse 49, it's on the screen, it says, Jesus said, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So I was kind of thinking, well, what did they get on that day, those disciples there? And 50 days later, what did they get? Was it the same? Was it different? And by the way, I've discovered that sometimes there are theological questions which are difficult to understand. I don't fully understand this, but let me give you three quick possibilities or various views. One view is that some scholars say that Jesus was simply doing a prophetic action, and he was releasing in the natural what would later be realized in the spiritual on the day of Pentecost. Another view says, well, they received a foretaste of the fullness that would come on the day of Pentecost. Here's a very interesting one. Another view says, well, these disciples actually received the indwelling or the deposit of the Holy Spirit, and later, they would receive the power or the clothing or the fullness of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus did say, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power, endued with power from on high. So there's different opinions, But you know what? In reality, the different views don't really matter because he has the real issue. Receive the Holy Spirit. That is the real issue. (laughs) And when you and I, as born-again believers today, in this day and age, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we get everything all at once. We get the full package of the Spirit of God when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? And John said of Jesus in Luke 3, verse 16, it says, He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Don't you like that? Ooh, say it again, fire. Okay, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I want to say to you today that Jesus is still baptizing people Today, with the Holy Spirit and with fire, I want to ask you this question. Have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Praise the Lord if you have. And if you have, I want to say, let there be a growing desire, a longing for the Spirit of God. May God in this congregation of Choose Life cause the hunger to grow, and to develop. But now, as I'm drawing it to a close, I want to say this. In conclusion, listen carefully. The reason that the receiving of the Holy Spirit ought to be a priority, the reason is because He empowers us. We cannot do it alone. We need the empowering of the Spirit. Jesus gave his disciples a mission, and he said, but you know what? I'm gonna give you of myself through the person of the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to witness. And so you're gonna end up being witnesses right until the edge of the world, and this is not an insurmountable task. But every one of my children are gonna be empowered every blood-washed believer will be empowered. So the reason the receiving of the Spirit of God ought to be a priority is because He empowers us. Say those three words with me. He empowers us. So are you going to be intimidated? Or will you be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Are you going to be too scared To speak in front of other people? Or will you allow spirit boldness? Come on. Are you going to be hiding behind closed doors? Or are you going to be fulfilling your purpose because the Spirit of God is empowering you? And I want to say to you the choice is yours. But as for me and my house, we will not be intimidated. As for me and my family, me and my leadership team, me and the church that God has placed around me, I declare on behalf of all of us that we will not be intimidated, but we will be empowered in the name of Jesus. We will be empowered. And the last scripture is Acts 1 verse 8. But you shall receive, what's that next word? Say it loud. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Praise God for his empowering. And so I'm saying to you today, folks, that Jesus is releasing his peace to you today. He's bringing peace into the situation. Jesus is also saying that as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And he's saying that his spirit will be upon you to empower you. This has to be a priority. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Now, please don't anybody move right now. I'd like to invite the pastors, shepherds, life group leaders, and assistants to come to the front as quickly as you can. I'll dismiss the service in a moment, but let's just give an opportunity for the leaders to come forward. And then I'm going to give an opportunity for people that would like to be prayed for. This is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So please don't come forward if you just have a prayer request or need an employment or something like this. This is specifically for people who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in other tongues. The only prerequisite is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Great. Thank you, leaders. Thank you for being ready to minister. Now, if you'd like to be prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, would you get up out of your seat now and come and make a line across the frontier facing the stage? Would you come and do that right now? Give them a hand as they come, just to encourage them. Come right now. People don't mind you pushing past them. Don't miss this opportunity because you want everything that God has available for you. Good. Those people come, come, come right now, even in the mother's room. And I will dismiss the service in a moment. And uh, leaders, let's not begin to pray just yet. Leaders at the front, just wait. We will pray once we've dismissed the service. Okay. Just give it a moment for those people coming down. Come and stand across the front. Great. Well, I'm going to pray and dismiss the service in prayer. And uh, then as we leave, let's just be sensitive to those that have been prayed for down the frontier. Church, would you please stand as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that Spirit of God that you are alive in your church today and that you are the most important person on earth. And Lord, we want to thank you for filling us up afresh with your Spirit today. We pray for these people in the front now that are trusting you for a breakthrough in terms of the baptism and the speaking in tongues, and we thank you that it will be done because it is your good pleasure. And now I bless every one of your people, and I pray that as they go into this week that they would not be intimidated, but that they would be empowered by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, and we all say amen, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody.